Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that a cool way to to join together in song? Because so often the hymns are slow. And they're kind of pensive. And if they are quick, they're kind of wordy, especially when I throw a verse in there of my own. Um, But I do that on purpose, which is entirely different. But that was cool because we all kind of got to groove to it, right? I think I'm going to keep that one. I like it. Well, this morning we're concluding our series inspired by Wayne Dyer's book, 10 Secrets for Success and Inner Peace, by looking at his ninth and tenth secrets, your greatest treasure and your greatest wisdom. Okay, so let's get to them right away. Did you know that your greatest treasure is not off in the distance somewhere? It's not hidden somewhere. It's not sunken somewhere. It's not buried somewhere. Not at all. It's right inside of you, and it always has been. In fact, that which you have been yearning for, that which you've been longing for, that which you've been praying for is already within you. It's already right inside. The ancient Hindus knew this when they wrote, the light you are seeking is in your own lantern. The master Jesus knew this. So what is our greatest treasure? You know it already, but let me relay it this way. In 10 Secrets, Dyer tells us that many years ago, an inspiring book was written entitled Three Magic Words. In this book, Three Magic Words, the author discusses the ability that each one of us has to become a miracle worker and to live up to the ideal of that promise made by Jesus. Even the least among you can do all that I have done and even greater things. The book does not reveal what the three magic words are until the very, very end of the book when the reader discovers that these magic words are You are God. Not God in the sense of above, I'm above everybody else and better than everybody else. It's not about the ego. It's in the sense of being eternally connected to source. Eternally connected to that ever-present power of love that never abandons you. Being a drop of water in the ocean. The drop is not the entire ocean, but it is exactly the same as the ocean. And it is one with the ocean. So each of us are with God. Gerald May in The Dark Night of the Soul said, God is closer to us, the mystics say, than our breath. Closer than we are to ourselves. St. John of the Cross says, we are in God like a stone is in the earth, already in the center. There is no way to get any closer to God than we already are. The spiritual life then is not about actually coming closer to God, but rather to realize the communion and union that already exists and always still and always will. Native American axiom says, God sleeps in the rocks, awakens in the plants, walks around in the animals, but knows itself in humankind. Now, I have to say, all the animals I've met are pretty connected. So I don't know. I think God is manifest in everything. Would you agree? I also love Emerson's statement. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. I know I use that a lot, but I love that. And Walt Whitman said, This is beautiful. In the faces of women and men, I see God. 
And Jesus taught this time and time again. And after his crucifixion, his disciples taught the same concept. Luke uh, chapter 17, verse 21. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Because the God who said, out of darkness light shall shine, is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Galatians, second chapter, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You're getting the picture of your greatest treasure? Your greatest treasure is the essence of the divine that is within you. There's a practice that I'd really like us to employ here. I heard about it um, from a lady at one of the New Thought Music Symposiums all those great many years ago at Agape. And this, I think it was the second one that we went to, and then they stopped hosting them. Um, But this is really powerful, um, especially if it's used when we're dealing with people who might be testing our patience and our temper a little bit. And it's a lot like the congregational greeting that we do at the end of the service. But this is something that brings it into constant daily practice instead of just a Sunday tradition. And I just realized, as I do so often in the Science of Mind class, the meditation touched on this. (laughs) I love when that happens because I don't plan it. And then I go, oh, I just said that. This lady said, they make a point of encouraging their congregation to When they're out and about in the world, they're dealing with people, they're to look at those people and say to themselves, whenever they think of it, within their own minds and hearts, so this is what God looks like. Isn't that cool? You look at people whenever you think of it. You observe people, even if you're not interacting with them. You say, so this is what God looks like. That's kind of big, isn't it? It makes it real. If you feel comfortable with it, Look at your neighbors to the right and left and say out louder in your head, so this is what God looks like. Now, I'd like you to use your imagination a little bit, okay? So palms up. Turn your palm to your face. Look into your palm. And now imagine that your palm just became a mirror. See yourself. Really form that image in your mind. And say silently, So this is what God looks like. Now say it out loud. So this is what God looks like. 2,000 years ago, the master teacher Jesus told us that we were all sons and daughters of the Most High God. And some of you may have heard uh, about a mystic in India named Ratnakaram Satyana Rayana Raju, also known as Sai Baba. It seems that he possessed the ability to manifest things of solid form out of the formless, just out of the air. He would do this, and there it would be. And when he's present, people appear to be healed right in the moment. I know that Kim Hebert, the one who sang that gorgeous song before the meditation, she has a story about something. Somebody had a a medallion or something that he manifested. I'm sure she'll probably tell you about it if you stop her. For a dollar, for a dollar, which you're going to give to the church, right? 
Of course. Perfect. I love that. A Western reporter once asked Sai Baba if he were God in a really kind of confrontational way. Yes, I am, he said. Everyone in attendance was stunned. And then he continued, and so are you. The only difference between you and me is that I know it and you doubt it. You are a piece of God. You are a divine creation, a being of light, a divine creation that showed up here at exactly the time you were supposed to. Why do you doubt it? You are the beloved, a miracle, a part of the eternal perfection. Why would you doubt it? You are a drop in the divine ocean of life. Why would you doubt it? What if this morning we let go of all our junk that's keeping us from being who we were meant to be? Remember, we were born to make manifest the glory of God which is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in all of us without exception. In the Science of Mind, on pages 361 and 362, Ernest Holmes said, Jesus understood his own nature. He knew that as the human embodies the divine, it manifests the Christ nature. Jesus never thought of himself as different from others. His whole teaching was that what he did, others could do. He located God and the kingdom of heaven within himself. It is now nearly 2,000 years since this wonderful man labored in the vineyard of human endeavor, pointing away to eternal reality. Centuries have passed, nations have risen only to decline and fall. Science has solved many problems, invention has harnessed subtle forces, and our land is filled with institutions of yearning, of learning. But the world is longing for another great teacher, one who will again show the way. Never before has there been such an inquiry into the hidden meaning of things. Never such a searching after God and reality. It seems as though we are all engaged in this search and that we cannot be satisfied until we have made the great discovery for ourselves. But to how few has come the real truth. The realization that God is indwelling in the soul and spirit of all. Isn't that the crux of it? To how few has come that real truth, the realization that God is indwelling in the soul and spirit of all. That, my friends, is your greatest treasure. So treasure it. And now we'll take a look at the final secret, that final secret, the tenth secret, It's going to be really familiar to those who've been around New Thought or religious science for a while. Um, And yet, Dyer has a way of adding kind of a different spin to it. His tenth secret relates to what we allow to rattle around between our ears most of the time. You know, those things we call thoughts. Specifically, he says, true wisdom, great wisdom, is avoiding all thoughts that weaken you. Or to put a different spin on it, true wisdom, great wisdom, is embracing all thoughts that strengthen you. Sounds a lot like change your thinking, change your life, doesn't it? 
Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of the Unity Movement, he said, God's greatest gift to us is the power of thought through which we can incorporate into our consciousness the mind of God. Ernest Holmes, on page 39 of The Science of Mind, said, to learn how to think is to learn how to live because our thoughts go into a medium that is infinite in its ability to do and be. By thinking, we can bring into our experience whatsoever we desire if we think correctly and become a living embodiment of our thoughts. That's the key, right? Think correctly and embody it. Here's why this is so. We're surrounded by a mind or intelligence or life force or source or whatever you want to call it that knows everything, creates everything, encompasses everything, everything, formed and unformed, expressed and unexpressed, done or to be done. Everything exists in spirit, right? All beauty, truth, success, peace, plenty, wisdom, love, harmony, etc., 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 they all exist in the mind of the universe, in the mind of God. Greg Braden, in his book, The Isaiah Effect, and I think I do have one copy left in the bookstore, The Isaiah Effect, it's a big one. Um, he calls it the soup of creation. I dig that. It is the soup of creation. And Deepak Chopra calls it pure potentiality. Whatever we call it, we also exist in it. And we can draw from it. But what we draw from it, we must draw through the channel of our own minds and our own hearts. A conscious connection must be established before we can derive the benefits which the greater mind desires to impart to us. And we make that conscious connection through our thoughts and our feelings. Greg Braden uses the example of making rock candy. You fill a jar full of sugar water, and you hang a string from the lid, and the string attracts the sugar crystals, making rock candy. We did that in Girl Scouts, didn't we, Nancy? We made rock candy in Girl Scouts. It's pretty stuff. Our thoughts and feelings are like that string, attracting the sugar in life or attracting something else. Again, to learn how to think is to learn how to live because our thoughts go into a medium that is infinite in its ability to do and to be. What are you attracting to that string? Thomas Edison said, 5% of the people think, 10% of the people think they think, and the rest of the people would rather die than think. Now, I don't know about that, but I would venture a guess to say that 5% of the time we think thoughts that strengthen us. 5% of the time we draw the sugar to the string. 10% of the time we think about thinking thoughts that strengthen us, but thoughts that weaken us sneak in. And the rest of the time we are on autopilot, not even aware of our own thoughts. This final secret challenges us to reverse those numbers. How different do you suppose your life would be if 85% of the time you thought only thoughts that strengthened you? The twist Dyer puts on this foundational new thought tenant, 
is this very idea that thoughts either strengthen or weaken us. What do you suppose thoughts that strengthen us are? Love, goodwill, kindness, compassion, wholeness, enthusiasm, plenty. And thoughts that weaken? Doubt, anger, frustration, revenge, guilt, shame. Ooh, those are big ones. Fear, judgment of ourselves or others. We don't just mean that these thoughts weaken or strengthen in a metaphysical sense. We mean it in the physical sense as well. Our thoughts have an extraordinarily strong influence on the body. Mind and body cannot be separated. Just think, what happens physically when you're embarrassed? Your face begins to flush, you get kind of hot, maybe a little shaky, right? What happens when you're nervous? Same thing, you kind of get a little sweaty and you fidget and your heart rate may go up. I know that if I'm nervous, I catch myself squirming and twitching and my foot starts going. Um, What about fear? Fear, you start shaking, you might cry a little bit, right? These are physical responses to mental attitudes. And more and more research on serious disease, such as cancer, is showing that those physical responses have much to do with how we perceive our world. In his book, Power Versus Force, you may remember we did a whole series on this. Um, David R. Hawkins is one of my favorites. Um, He discusses this same idea in different terms. He suggests that power thoughts strengthen and force thoughts weaken. For example, in an athletic event, if your thoughts are on overpowering your opponent, being better than another, and playing by winning at any cost, those are force thoughts. You are forcing the product of that competition. Those force thoughts start to form and your entire muscular structure in your body is actually weakened. Those thoughts of force weaken you. On the other hand, if in the midst of an athletic event, you can keep your thoughts on performing at your highest capacity, on using your inner strength to muster the energy to be as efficient as it's possible for you to be, and to have great respect for your God-given abilities, those are power thoughts. And you will actually be empowering yourself by and through them. Authentic wisdom Great wisdom is the ability to monitor yourself at all times to determine your relative state of weakness or strength and to shift out of those thoughts that weaken you. In this way, you keep yourself in a higher state of consciousness and you prevent your thoughts from weakening every single organ in your body. You prevent them from manifesting in all kinds of different ways as illness and dis-ease. When you use your mind to empower you, you're appealing to that which uplifts and raises your spirits. Dyer writes, all of this is knowing nothing more than a conscious decision on your part to be in charge of your thinking. Be aware at any given moment in your life that you always have a choice about the thoughts you allow in your mind. No one else can put a thought there. Regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in, it is your choice. Choose to replace disempowering, weakening thoughts with thoughts of a higher spiritual frequency. 
Don't convince yourself that it can't be done or, oh, this is a good one, easier said than done. I have actually said it, and I don't remember when, but boy, that hit home when I was writing earlier. I went, ooh, yep, you say that. Easier said than done. Your mind is yours to control. You're the creator and selector of your thoughts. You can change them at will. It is your God-given inheritance, your corner of freedom that no one can take away. No one can have control of your thoughts without your consent. Let me say that again because it's a big one. No one can have control of your thoughts without your consent. So choose to avoid thoughts that weaken you, and you will know true wisdom. It is your choice. Dyer writes, your greatest wisdom is the ability to monitor our thoughts at all times, to sift out those thoughts that weaken and undermine our strength, and to live our lives in love moment by moment, knowing that everything, both in our experience and beyond our comprehension, is a divine miracle. So there you have them, the final two of those 10 secrets. And as I reinstate all 10 of them, I'd like you to close your eyes and take them in as a sort of meditation. I invite you to embrace them in consciousness so that they become a part of your life, your life that is filled with glorious success, however you choose to define it, your life that is filled with inner peace. Secret one. Have a mind that is open at the top. Think outside the obvious. Step out of the way and let the divine work through you. Secret two, don't die with your music still in you. We are all born with a song in our hearts, and that song guides our purpose in life. Live that purpose. Secret four, embrace who you really are through the silence in those quiet moments when your thoughts may want to turn towards negative anxiety-inducing things. Choose instead to look at the beauty that is you, to look at the good that you bring into the world. Secret five, it's time to give up your personal history All of those things that have happened in our lives in the past which shape how we react to situations in the world, that shape how we automatically respond defensively, aggressively, or in fear. Let those all go. Secret six, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Your conscious mind, your human mind created the problems that you are experiencing, even if you don't see the correlation, you need to turn to that inner mind, the one we've been talking about, that divine mind within to solve that problem. Secret seven, take full ownership of your experiences through forgiveness and beyond. Let go of all resentment, of all anger, of all separation, of all of those, they hurt me, they don't agree with me, they aren't doing what I would like them to do. Let those go. Your thought of those things is not, it is not making them any less likely to behave that way. Your choice to simply detach from it takes their power away. Secret eight, act as if. 
Treat yourself as if you already are that with which you wish to be. There's not much more I need to say on that, right? All those things that you want in life, treat yourself as though they are already there. Secret nine, your greatest treasure is your own divinity, and it is right inside. It always has been. And secret 10, your greatest wisdom is avoiding thoughts that weaken you and embracing thoughts that strengthen you. Hear this. You are the change your world needs. And you are the change our entire world needs. Those aren't words. Hear them deeply. You are the change our entire world needs. As Jesus told you, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. As you believe, so it shall be. So let it be. And so it is. Amen.